0: Good morning and a warm welcome to you. Uh, Let me add my welcome to uh, the one that Dan's already given you. Um, I was out meeting a few people in the congregation just before we started the service, and I I was trying to welcome people, but it didn't really make a whole lot of sense because a lot of them had been here 40, 50, and more years ago, and I'm the blow-in, so um, thanks for joining with us. Uh, thank you for allowing us to uh, join in the history of this family, Kirkpatrick Memorial, uh, which at some point in the past uh, meant a lot to you. Uh, we're delighted you've joined us here today. Over the last months and already this morning, we've been thinking a lot about God's faithfulness in the past and how we want to, to recognize that. I, th- I think we've done a good deal of that in recent months. And it's been a very very wonderful experience to hear and to see uh, a little of what God's done over a hundred years in this church family. This morning, for just a few moments, I want to share a a vision of the future with you. And it's not my vision. Uh, You'll be glad to know it's it's Jesus' vision. Uh, The one that we just read in Revelation 21. In Revelation 21, John tells us of some things that he sees. But then in verse 5, he tells us of a voice that he hears from heaven. And this voice says simply, I am making everything new. I love Jesus' vision. Jesus sits on the throne he looks over this world that he's created and that he's died for and he says I'm making it all new I'm going to make it all new I have a few reasons why I love Jesus' vision and I thought I'd share those with you this morning the the first is that that I desperately want to be made new myself I want to be a different person than I am today in the future. I want to be made more and more into the person whom God created me to be, realizing the potentials that that he put in me, if only I could hand myself over to him. I'd love it if the people who, who observe me today and those who look back on my life in the future Could say the same kind of thing that the the biblical writer said about David, Christoph Ebbinghaus was, or is, a man after God's own heart. I want God to keep aligning my heart to his. I've been given pause to think recently uh, about how willing I am to take risks or steps in God's service. And as I did that in just recent weeks, I realized how easy it is to slide into complacency and comfort, even cynicism. I don't want that. I want to be made new. With new vision, new energy, new life and new courage welling up in me rather than something that's dissipating. I want to be more compassionate. Claire and I were talking about this uh, during the week, we were reading some stuff together, and one of the challenges to a, a godly leader was to be a compassionate person. As we talked about this, we both felt that we, we seemed to have so little time to give to other people beyond our, our family and our church family, and, and maybe that has something to do with the season of life that we're in. But w- what will I do with the time that I do have? What would I do if if time became available to me? Will I go into the whole me-time mindset that's so prevalent in our culture today? Will I listen to that seductive invitation to be good to yourself? Or will I do what Jesus does and calls us to do? Pour out my life for others. I'm dreaming of a new me, and, and I hope you are too. It, it struck me recently that this this hunger and this thirst to see God doing something new in us might just be one of the most invigorating things that a human being could know. It might just be the antidote to one of our society's biggest fears. What's our biggest fear? Our biggest fear is of growing older. Of one day being frail and of finally dying. We're afraid because we believe that life is best for the young, those with strong muscles and steady feet. But what if there's something much more going on in life? What if God's working in us? Beneath our skin behind our skeleton he's working in us to form something what if he's making us new even as we age what if we could be people who are growing in faith hope and love what if wisdom was welling up in us what if this whole exercise of human life is a bit like a being mined out of a deep dark place a mining and then a cutting and a polishing until finally a precious stone appears. What if we're getting better or could be getting better as we age? Growing older might just be this exercise in being made new. Folks, I, I love Jesus' vision. He's making everything new. I love it because I want to be made new I love Jesus' vision for a second reason I'm not just dreaming of a a, a new me I'm dreaming of a new you I, I don't know if you knew that that I dream about you I don't know how comfortable you feel about that but there it is I am dreaming of a new you I long for your transformation too. I'm not suggesting, by the way, that you need to be transformed in the same ways that I do. I'm not going to project my sin and weakness and failures onto you. But each one of us needs to know God's transforming work in our lives. We need to know his grace. It needs to come to us in our unique story, our distinctive personality, and it needs to make us something that we aren't yet. When I say I'm dreaming of a new you, actually I'm dreaming of a new us. All of us together. And I'm longing to see God transforming us individually and then into a, a an unprecedented kind of community. I'm longing for people whose lives have such beauty and warmth and grace in them that people really begin to take notice. I don't know if I've ever said this to you before, but I suppose my prayer for us together is that we become a good deal weirder than we are. Now We're weird enough to start with. They're all materials pretty strong here at Kirkpatrick. But, but weird, what, what do I mean by that? I want us to be weird in a, in a good way. I want us to be people whose actions you can't explain by normal human motivations. We might look the same, but we're different. So we'll be people who work hard, who give our best, who seek to maximize our potential. But we do it all with an eye for God's glory and not ours. We'll use whatever time or money we accumulate not for ourselves but to bless others. We'll use our influence for the good of others, not just for us or our tribe. We'll be the beautiful people, not in terms of how we look or what we wear or how well groomed. Our beauty will be our lives. Our lives will be of such quality that they'll attract other people to come and know the King who's worked this change in us. A new you, a new me. Another thing I love about Jesus' vision, I'm dreaming about a new city, a new Belfast. A city whose Christian past finally shows itself somewhere in our present and our future, the Bible talks a lot about cities, and um, it's something I've become increasingly interested in. Isaiah, for example, mentions uh, cities or this city or God's city, about 50 times in his prophecy. So he talks, for example, in chapter 60, he says to God's people, "Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. nations will come to your light." He's talking to the city of God, God's people. We're not quite there yet, are we, in Belfast? The nations will come to your light. The nations don't feel safe in Belfast just now. Threats of violence, ongoing racism. We need God to make all things including our city, new. In another of the city-themed prophecies, Isaiah talks in language which clearly foreshadows the passage which we have just read here today. So he talks in Isaiah 65 about a new heavens, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem right at the heart of it. Among other things, he talks about the peace that's going to reign in this city. He says the wolf and the lamb will feed together. It's a beautiful picture Peace between age old enemies. We're not quite there yet, are we? It seems to me that heading into the summer of 2014, there's as much actual and threatened sectarian violence as most of the, the summers I can remember in recent times. I'm still dreaming of a new Belfast. On a visit to Belfast City Hall probably about, I think it was about four years ago I had a very interesting experience that, that showed me that this longing I have for Belfast isn't a new thing. We were on a guided tour and we were shown around somebody might be able to tell me or tell you more than I can but somewhere we stopped at a, a stained glass window which had the Belfast coat of arms on it and the guide told us that it was dated from 30th of June 1890 uh, where there was a grant of arms made to this new city at that point, the the city of Belfast and the guide pointed out to us the Latin motto across the bottom of the coat of arms pro tanto quid retribuamus I'm just giving the Latin guys a moment yep, I see in the most most faces, I see the recognition just okay One or two, just if you haven't covered that yet. That motto of Belfast, intriguingly, is a biblical quotation. Psalm 116, verse 12, which in the NIV reads like this. How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? Wow. That's the motto of our city. To be a real Belfast person is to be a person who recognizes the incredible goodness of God and who then lives their life asking, how do we bring some of that back to the Lord? How do we repay the Lord for his goodness to us? I'm still dreaming of a new Belfast. The final reason I love Jesus' vision in Revelation 21 verse 5 is that it it, it just... Goes everywhere, doesn't it? It doesn't stop at Belfast. What's he making new? Jesus makes everything new. Followers of Jesus Christ don't stop dreaming till the whole world is made new. As you can imagine, we don't have time even to scratch the surface of a world made new. This world is desperately waiting. To be made new. Our news bulletins refresh every day with stories from Syria, Iraq, and the like. We Look, look at the devastation still caused by hunger, caused by AIDS. If, if we even tried to, to put all this before us at once, we'd be in grave danger of despair. What we want to do here at Kirkpatrick Memorial is to pray to God. And to participate with God in the work that he's doing to make all things new. Next week we're going to have a Sunday morning service where we're going to give it all over to to the mission of many of the members of our church. Both locally and globally to see the renewal of the earth under Jesus Christ. We've been dreaming here a little bit this morning. I don't mind using that word because the word dream and the word vision uh, probably don't need to be separated all the time. The vision of a new me, a new us, a new city, and a new world. Can this dream come true? How can this dream come true? My first real understanding of what Jesus was saying in Revelation 21, verse 5, came a number of years ago in a very strange place. Um, I was over in the cinema in, in Ards, but you know the one beside Ards Shopping Center? Yeah, see what I mean? It is strange that you'd have a, a revelation of any sort. In, um, but it was, it was Mel Gibson's film, The Passion of the Christ, In his film, Mel Gibson uses an artistic license to great theological effect. I think when he puts these revelation words, Revelation 21 verse 5, he puts them into the mouth of Jesus as he's on his way to the cross. He chooses a really profound way of doing this. Jesus had been betrayed. We've seen that played out. He was flogged within an inch of his life. He'd been given a crown of thorns and it was crushed into his head. And now he's carrying his cross um, through the the busy streets of Jerusalem up the hill to Golgotha where he's going to be executed. And Gibson imagines Mary, the mother of Jesus, in the crowd. She watches as the crowd jeer him, as they throw rubbish at him, uh, as they pelt him with stones. She watches as the Roman soldiers prod him and whip him and keep him on his way. And she watches as her son struggles under the weight of the cross that he's carrying and then finally falls to the ground under the weight. At that moment, things couldn't be more broken or ruined Jesus' body's already broken. The, the crucifixion's just going to finish that job off. The faith of his disciples is breaking his mother's heart and the heart of anyone who loved him broken. This is a moment of utter despair. And it's at this point that, that Gibson imagines Christ summoning his last strength, rising under the weight of his burden and facing his mother, with his back torn to shreds, with his face streaming with the blood, he simply says, Mother, I am making everything new. This is the way in which God has chosen to make all things new. It's in the cross of Jesus Christ. It's as he dies facing the worst that evil can, can throw at him. And as his father raises him to new life that we see the first glimpse of what a world made new looks like. Jesus Christ, we're told, died for us so that we too can be made new. Whenever we see him, whenever we own that his sacrificial death was for us, we find ourselves moved. We find ourselves moved to love him, to want to be like him, to be to be hungry for more of his presence and his spirit in us. It's when we hear Jesus Christ saying, Greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And then we see him do it. Go and lay down his life for his friends. That we are moved to love one another in the same way. Laying down our life for each other. Wouldn't that be an amazing kind of a church to be a part of? What kind of impact do you think a community like that might have? In a city. And through its city to the world. Folks, Jesus Christ is making all things new. And he invites us to be a part of it. And that's our vision for the next 100 years or 200 years or forever long. Jesus gives us to be made new and to be part of the making new. Are you ready to go? Let's pray. Father God, there are two Aspects to Jesus' promise which we can't quite believe. We can't quite believe that you could make us new. Many of us are living de- defeated and resigned lives. We imagine that we're, we are what we are and will be what we are. Father God, I pray that you'd unleash the transforming power of the gospel in us. Keep renewing us. Give us more than ever appetite and hope for being a new person for your glory. Lord, we struggle to believe that you're going to make us new, but as we trust you for that, we want to trust you too for the world. Lord, we don't know even how to pray for the world, never mind how to act for its renewal. But we pray that you would use us, that you would take our small steps of obedience, our limited abilities, but our love. Take it and make something of it. Lord, we pray you'd use us in the renewing of this earth. Lord, we thank you that as we have trusted you for a hundred years in the past, we can trust you for as many years as you give us in the future. Help us to do that as we move forward. Amen.